previously on Killing Lorenzo. She always had him thinking that everybody wanted her. He said, my mama said, you can't make no home, no housewife. I said, yo, you finally got it, huh? It was gone by then. You know, they were divorced and they was <sighs> divorcing and going through drama because Shirley's drama. Shirley's always been drama. And I could tell him time and again, I said, man, why are you still sleeping with her? If you're going to cut her off, cut her all the way off. You're divorced. Mrs. Wright did not receive uh, any regular payments. He would occasionally give her a little bit of money, nothing close to what he had been ordered to do. She was used to having some household help, and all of that had to go away. And Ren was really still trying to live that lifestyle. But at that point in time, we already knew that he was struggling in a bit. When you go back and look at it, you go, maybe he was asking for help, and just we didn't just pick up on it. It's February 2010. NBA star Lorenzen Wright is no longer playing professional basketball. He's divorced and facing mounting debt. Despite those troubles, friends and family had no idea that five months later... The last time anyone in her family saw the 6'11 former NBA player was Sunday night. He'd disappear. I knew someone right when he wanted to ask him for me and Laura. Then be found dead. Did you call Shara? Hell no. It's say what, bitch, where you leave my son dead at? Hello? Hello? I don't have nothing but gunshots. I'm Zanetta Lowe. And I'm April Thompson. This is Killing Lorenzen, Love, Basketball, Murder. Part one of episode six, 10 days. Lorenzen Wright was a high school, college, and pro basketball star. But by the winter of 2010, the season had started. And for the first time in a long time, Lorenzen wasn't a part of it. He wasn't waking up every day, going to practice or a game, something the 34-year-old had done nearly his entire life. Lorenzen's mother, Deborah Marion, watched her son grow from a tall, lanky kid whose body had to catch up with his game to an NBA pro who spent 13 years in the league. He just misses activity. He just missed not being focused to have to be somewhere at a certain time. That's what he just missed. They say that routine, you get mm, yep. used to it. Yep. You, the camaraderie yep. with the other yep. That's what players. He, said. Yeah. he just missed doing what he did all them years. Lorenzen's new normal also included a life without his family. He and Shara, his wife of 11 years, the woman he dated since he was 16 years old, were divorced. Shara had primary custody of the couple's six children, so they settled into a home on a quiet cul-de-sac in Collierville, Tennessee, a Memphis suburb. Lorenzen moved to a three-bedroom townhome in Smyrna, Georgia, outside Atlanta. Lorenzen lived in a corner unit. It's brick with three levels, and black iron railing leads up the steps to the front door. The 2,700-square-foot townhouse isn't tiny, but a far cry from the mansions he'd previously called home. At the time, Lorenzen's former personal assistant, Michael Gibson, once again found himself living with his childhood friend. Just me and my, like I said, me and my current wife, we were just on different terms at the moment, and I would always go hang out with him anyway. And so he was like, hey, man, you want, I got, you know, obviously I got plenty of room, so if you want to move on in, come on in. So um, he had brought his his kids out there, his kids with us the whole summer. <laughs> I brought my kids out there. I had two at the time. I brought my two kids out there. 
As part of the divorce, Lorenzen and Shara's kids would spend holidays and summers with their dad. Most of my memories come from that last summer when he had all his kids and I had my kids and we would just hang out and do things. Even my, my 18-year-old son now would even tell me, um, you know, Dad, you remember Lorenzen took, took me and the kids. Like, I had to work. I was working all day. And Lorenzen took him out for his birthday and took all the kids out to the water park and took them to Benihana. What were some of the other memories that you have from, from that summer, you guys hanging out with your kids? Oh, we did so much. Um, we had so many barbecues. It was went to water parks. We did so much with the kids because um, he wasn't playing ball. He wasn't working out. So it was, every day we were doing something different with the kids. Spent a lot of quality time. A lot of quality time. Mike G says he noticed something else, though, about his friend during that time. Lorenzen was starting over, both personally and professionally, and seemingly reflecting on who and what was important. The me and him would go running, he'd be like talking about things like, man, I just feel like a lot of people have just been using me my whole life, and, you know, they don't want to be, a, they're just around me for the money and fame, and, you know, he's like, and then I got all these different girls, and they only want the same thing out of me. He, he even talks about, hey, I might as well go back with Cheryl. I might as well get back with my wife. And get remarried and be a happy family again and just leave it at that. What was his relationship with Shara like? What would he say about their relationship? Well, they were still sleeping together, even at then, at that time. So that's why he mentioned to me, you know, I'm got all these other girls. I might as well just get back with Shara. I might as well get back with my wife, you know. <laughs> we're still sleeping together, that's all. So he still was in relationship. They still. Yeah, he said, man, you know, she doing her thing. I'm doing my thing. What did that mean? <laughs> I mean, that she could probably see whoever she wanted, and he could see whatever they wanted, even though they were divorced. But he was very unhappy at the end. I, and that's what bothers me the most, because I knew that, you know? Keep in mind, though, Lorenzen was sort of a giant to his friends and family, with a larger-than-life smile and personality that could tackle any problems that came his way. Like I said, even those mornings, those days, we would have talks, and I can tell how something was wrong, but I didn't think, you know, I didn't think this is, you know, this Lorenzo Wright, this is my boy. You know, he's going to be fine. He's okay. Whatever he's going through, he's done well storm before, so he'll be all right. Um, didn't think anything of it. Lorenzo also talked with his cousin, Trevino Vassar, about his future. The last time I saw my cousin, he was sitting at my grandmother's house. He told me, he was like, Jig, he said, man, my career is about to be over with. I'm like, okay, I feel you, bro. He was like, man, I want to come home, back to Mississippi. I'm going to be at my house. And on a buy some, uh, my uncle Key was telling him to buy some land to put my apartments up. I even uh, keep them up for you. She's like, okay, cool, that's what I'm going to do. Trevino and Lorenzen had that conversation on July 4th, 2010. I was looking for him July the 4th. And we was talking on Facebook. Well, we was talking on the phone. That's Glory Sanders, Lorenzen's high school girlfriend. The two reconnected online, catching up and reminiscing about the old days. What was that like after all those years? I think at the time I was drinking. <laughs> <laughs> so you may have said something you shouldn't have said? Well, he was like, Gloria, you know you was my first in a lot of things. And I said, yeah, and you was mine. Um, I got to see you. I got to see you. Can I come see you? Are you going to bring the kids? No, I'm going to drop them off. I, I might bring them with me. I might bring them with me. But I, I got to see you. And I, I didn't see him or the kids. 
While Glory didn't see Lorenzen over the holiday, he did visit family over the 4th of July. Deborah remembers the children being with Lorenzen, including his youngest, Sophia. And that was the last 4th of July. You know, we gonna have, let me show y'all a picture of him and Sophie. We didn't have no clue that was the last one. That's the last 4th of July. So this is the last 4th of July. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna get this picture blown Who's up for Sophie when she get 18. Hugging him? Who my, is that? My sister, Pat. That's your sister, Pat? Mm-hmm. Oh, you wrote on the, what? What's that written on the back? What does that say? Can you read it? At Uncle Keith's house. With Fed Pat. Uh, Sophie was 16. Who wrote this on? Oh, when she's 16, I'm going to get this picture blown up for her. Oh, that's her there? Yeah, up. that's Sophie. Yeah. That's the little That's one. the baby girl. Yep. Okay. She four, no, she's 12 now. The last time I seen my cousin, he was in Oxford having a ball. Had his kids with him. As always, 4th of July, had his kids with him. We saw each other July 4th, had a ball. My brother almost burned himself up, lighting up. the gas rotisserie grill, kind of blew back on it. He was in there teasing me, man, you're supposed to be cooking food, not yourself. That was the way we were. And, and we're sitting there, uh, man, we had oodles of food. As far as that goes, had a lot of food, uh, had drinks, whatever, you know, we're just sitting there having fun. Was that the last time you saw him? That was the last time I saw him alive. That's Lorenzen's uncle, Lorenzo Cersei. Lorenzen also saw his father, Herb, over the holiday. Yeah, I saw him. Yeah, he, he came, came to the house. Yeah. yeah. July 5th, he came here. Mm-hmm. So he was here for the holiday. Mm-hmm. He just stopped in. Do you remember the last conversation you had with Lorenzo? Yep. Yep, yep. Yes, I do. He brought a letter to my house, for sure. He put it on top of the refrigerator. I was laying in my bed, but I heard, every time the door opened, you know, the, the alarm bell thing go And he kept coming in and out, in and out. And I got a cousin, like, who the hell is keep coming in and out of my house? He said, me. I said, what's up? He said, I came over your house, and I wrote a letter for sure, and I left it on the refrigerator, but I'm coming back to get it now. I was like, okay, had I known he was there writing a letter to Cheryl, as soon as he left, I would have got that letter down, went over there, with some boiling water on that stove, and got that letter loose, honey. I would have read that letter. Sure would, but he came back. He said, I'm going to take it to him myself. I don't know what was on that letter, but let, if I had been up and knew he was up there writing her letter, I wouldn't know what was in that letter. So you, you never found out what was in the letter? Mm-mm. Did you ever see him again after that Mm-mm. day? Mm-mm. That was the last time. That's why I said, I wish I had hugged him that day. Normally when we leave each other, we hug each other, but we had, you know, I like I said, I was in the bed while he was up there writing his letter, so... We hadn't been spending no time to say goodbye because we normally were her, but, you know, we just assume I see him, you know, tomorrow, next day. But that tomorrow would never come for Deborah. She didn't know at the time, but she'd never get the chance to see or hug her firstborn son, Lorenzen, again. Lorenzen and the kids headed back to Atlanta, and at some point the following week, Lorenzen's roommate, Michael Gibson, says Shara made a trip there, too. I didn't get a chance to see her because I was at work all day. When I got home that night, Lorenzo said, hey, man, you know, Cheryl came up here. Um, I think Cheryl had brought the youngest one because um, she had went to Memphis for something for like a couple of days, and Cheryl brought her back. So Cheryl brought her back, and I didn't get a chance to talk to her until after the fact. And when I talked to her, she's like, yeah, Mike G, I came up there and checked out y'all little spot, you know. 
see what y'all got going on. Mike G and Lorenzen had been best friends since third grade. He'd lived with the couple, driven Shara to doctor's appointments, helped raise their kids. She was like a sister to him, so it wasn't uncommon for them to still talk and joke around. He says the following week, Lorenzen got a call from Shara saying their oldest daughter, Lauren, needed to be back in Memphis for an event over the weekend. According to Mike G, Shara and Lorenzen coordinated travel arrangements for the kids. Lorenzen's friend, Jeremy Orange, would drive the children to meet Shara. So, but Lauren was here. Did Lauren know that she had a recital? Did she say anything about a recital? No, no. It's just all of a sudden, as far as I know, I was getting off work one day and got home. Lauren said, hey, man, Jeremy taking all the kids to Memphis. Lauren got this and that going on. And it just all of a sudden happened. Yeah, I didn't know. He didn't know until then. Jeremy is originally from Oxford and also lived in Atlanta. He spent a lot of time with Lorenzen and Mike G and had taken the kids to Memphis a few times that summer. He told us by phone the plan was to take the kids to meet Shara Thursday. And I was supposed to uh, meet with his ex-wife Cheryl in Birmingham first, Alabama, halfway to take the kids. I had five, I had five of the kids. His oldest daughter had a... Um, yeah, what do you call it? A um, beauty pageant at the church, from my understanding. Well, Lorenzen told me. So I was going to meet her halfway in Birmingham. That didn't work out. So when Thursday didn't work out, Friday, again, you know, we were still trying to figure out how we was going to get her down there. So um, Friday didn't end up working out. And I, thro- I thought, you know, Lorenzen never told me anything different. I thought that, look, I wasn't gonna, she was going to miss the beauty pageant. So early Saturday morning, he came up and he woke me up and he said, hey, look, I need for you to run, you know, my daughter down there. So the beauty pageant was supposed to be like at 2 p.m. When I got there, it was 1.40, but it was actually probably, it was 2.40 here. But when I got there, it was about, it, I know it was like, she had like 20, 15 to 20 minutes to get ready. So I got there right in the nick of time. And where did you drop her off? Um, at Cheryl's house. To your knowledge, did... Lauren, Shara, did they ever leave and go to the church, or were you done uh, after that? Yeah, I was done after that. After I dropped them off, there was no more contact. I didn't talk to Lorenzo none that Saturday. That was Saturday, July 17, 2010. Jeremy says after dropping the kids off in Collierville with Shara, he drove to his hometown of Oxford and spent the night with family. Lorenzen was in Atlanta, according to Mike G., who recalled going out more than usual over the weekend. So that Thursday night, me and him went to the club. That Friday night, me and him went to the club. That Saturday night, me and him went to the club. (laughs) So we were partying. (laughs) We were hanging out. Sunday, July 18th. So probably around 10 or 11 o'clock, a little bit after, right before, right in the afternoon, uh, Lorenzen, I called Lorenzen, and, no, Lorenzen called me. And when Lorenzen called me, that's when he was telling me, hey, look, make sure you pick up my kid. Um, you know, over Cheryl House, Monday. You know, the next day, make sure you pick them up. I don't care, make sure you bring them back. Don't leave them, don't leave them. So I heard the, uh, you know, like the guards of, 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 like, Clippers going. So I asked him, I said, where, where you at? He said, I'm in Milford. Okay, the whole time I'm telling you this, I never knew he had flew down there. <laughs> I never knew Lorenzo had flew to Milford. I thought he was still in Atlanta. So for some odd reason, he flew down there. (laughs) So you had no idea, and you were in his vehicle. Mike G. says a female friend took Lorenzen to the airport, and he caught a flight from Atlanta to Memphis early Sunday morning. Jeremy would later find out why. Do you think that was last minute? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
because the person he was with told me that uh, Lorenzen almost missed his flight and he was doing it last minute. And, did you know, the he, person, and did the person, that person you know, explain what happened? Well, person, or? well that person uh, told me that um, Lorenzen was not planning on coming and that Cheryl had called him and kind of, you know, was like, hey, look, I want you coming. To, I want you to come here. Did you ever speak to him again after that Sunday conversation? No, ma'am. Never talked to him again. He had called me that morning, Sunday morning, um, and said, hey, buddy, I'm in town. Uh, let's hang out. And I said, oh, man, pff, say no more. Let's, let's, you know, come by the house. That's Phil Dodson, Lorenzen's fraternity brother and close friend. He says a woman Lorenzen was seeing at the time dropped him off at his house that Sunday. They called up some of their other frat brothers and ended up hanging out most of the day and night. I can remember um, that Sunday, uh, NBA uh, 2K game had just come out, and my sons always played with him on that game. And so, you know, anytime they got to see their Uncle Ren, the boys lost it, you know. And so they were like, Uncle Ren, I'm playing with you on the game right now. And uh, and he, I can remember them, you know, that 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 whole deal. And you know, that's one of my my boys' fondest memories was that that was the, you know, that was something that they got to do. But that Sunday, we we hung out on the patio and uh, just just had the best time, uh, you know, reminiscing, talking, just hanging out. I can remember there was a an All Star game in town that day, that Sunday. And I wanted to go to the All-Star game. And I was like, hey, buddy, let's go to this All-Star game. He was like, nah, man, I don't want to go. I, I just want to chill. I just want to chill. And I was like, well, okay, that's fine. You know, that's cool. And so <clears throat> we ended up hanging out, and then we went and got lunch. Uh, and uh, the the four of us uh, went to Logan's Roadhouse on Winchester. I'll never forget it. And, you know, had a good lunch. And then uh, we came back to came back to the house and, um, you know, our plan was we were actually going to go out that night, that Sunday night. For the he didn't want to go to the game, but he said he would have gone to. We wanted to go to the, the the after party or whatever. You know, as the night passed on, uh, he told me that he was going to be leaving out to go to Vegas like that Tuesday. And so uh, we, I remember we went to the store to, you know, he bought a couple items out of out of the store and. Mike G says it was around this time he heard from Lorenzen. Nothing urgent, just a brief question as Lorenzen was looking for someone's phone number in Memphis. The last time I talked to him was that Sunday night, and it may be around 9, maybe 9, 30, 10 o'clock. He calls me and says, hey, man, uh, me and Snoop, that's his oldest son, you know, we're going to CVS, you know, pick up some, blah, blah, blah. And then he asked me a number for um one of the guys in Memphis, because me and Lorenzo had the same phone lines, and I had another phone that, he, that I had to have for numbers whenever he needed a number or not. So he, he called me, asked me for somebody's number that night, and he said, me and Snoop at CVS. And that was the last time I talked to him, around 930 that Sunday night. Him and Philip and Snoop, they were all together. He was with Philip at that time when I talked to him. He was with Phil. Everything was? Everything was cool. Did he, he was just this other person, um, you know, did he say why he needed the person's number, or that was just typical? That was y'all's role. That was what you did. That's just what, just my role. Um, I think is <laughs> I don't exactly recall. I think it may be the guy that had the um, the Viagra pill. So I think he might just want you know something like that. He's like, hey man, I know somebody in Memphis got some Viagra pills. Can you give me his number on my phone? That's all. 
Phil says they ran a few more errands, but their plans for the rest of the evening would soon change. Uh, we went by and checked on his uncle, and then we came back to we came back to the house, and uh, he was like he got a call from I mean, he got a call from Shara, and she said and he said that Shara wanted him to pick up uh, Lorenzo Jr. from the gym, and so uh, we left to you know we told our buddies. Tell our buddy, we see y'all later. I'm a, because he didn't have a car, so I was, you know, being shuttle driver, and uh, I took him to uh, Lifetime Fitness in Carryville to pick up Lorenzo Jr. And so it was uh, Lorenzo and myself and my young son. We, went, my oldest son, and we went and picked up Lorenzo Jr. from the gym, and he was like, "Man, man, I wait, I want to, you know, keep hanging." Now, of course, keep in mind they were divorced at that time, and so, and he was living in Atlanta. So he didn't get the chance to see his kids as much as he wanted to because he was living out of town. And so he, the plan was, well, he was going to drop him off. He was like, no, let's just go back over to your house and hang out. I got, I got, I got Snoop now, you got LaFille, we can go play the game. We can just, I mean, we were having, it was just going that good. And I remember him getting a phone call from her. And he was like, well, hey, we were going to go back over to Phil's house. And she was, and uh, Cheryl said, no, you bring him home now. Like, I could hear her through the phone, like, going in on him, telling him to bring her son home. Now, by this point, it's like 9 o'clock. It's like 9, 9 p.m. or so, 9, 9.15 or something like that. And it's summertime, so school, they don't have school the next day. And he's like, I can't under, and I was like, is everything okay? I mean, he got the phone, he's like, man, I don't know, no, she's tripping. And... He was like, let's, um, he said, well, I guess I, I, I'm going to go ahead and take him home because I don't want to hear her. I don't want to hear him out. And, you know, so I'll drop him off. And, you know, once I get over here and kind of figure out what's going on, then I'll call you and then we can, you know, still go out. And I was like, all right, that's cool. All right, whatever. But at that point, it had come to be that wasn't a surprise that she would be unreasonable at that point. But it was very strange that she would try to keep, you know, to force him to bring Lorenzo Jr. home. So, you know, at that point, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm kind of shaking my head like, because I know how much it would have meant to him to be able to hang out with the son more and with his buddy and his son and, you know, because he didn't get the chance to do that that often. And so we ended up, um, we hung out in the parking lot for a little while because, um, Lorenzo Jr. was hanging out with his, his his buddies, and so by the time we ended up getting back over to Shara's uh, house, it was about 10 o'clock, about 10 p.m., and then I can remember, uh, you know, saying, hey, man, well, just, you know, hit me up in a little bit, let me know what's going on. Uh, of course, I had to go to work the next day, but, you know, I would have, you know, if, you know, my buddy says, hey, let's go out, you know, I'm, I would have made a way, and so... Um, he got out of the car and we talked for a second. He said, "All right, so don't forget, I'm gonna go to the recital tomorrow, and then I'm headed to Vegas." And so, when he left, he got out of the car and we shook hands. And I said, "All right, we'll call me later." And that was about ten o'clock. And um, I left, and that was the last I saw him. So around 10 p.m. Sunday, Phil dropped Lorenzen off at his ex-wife Shara's house in Carrierville. Shortly after, Phil says he tried to reach Lorenzen again since they'd planned to go out. That night, about, you know, we usually 
would hit the club at about 11 30 12 o'clock and so i text him at about 11 45 like you know what's up we still going out and i never heard anything back there was a reason phil nor anyone else would ever hear from lorenzen wright again they just didn't know why at the time lorenzen however did make another phone call it would be his last Monday, July 19th. Hi, I'm Phil. Georgetown 911, where's your emergency? Hello? 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 Donna, I have nothing but gunshots. Hello? Hello? That voice belonged to Lorenzen Wright, but no one, not even the dispatcher, knew at the time who had called 911. Lorenzen had called for help, but it never arrived. And then the next day, you know, when I didn't hear anything from him, I just assumed that, all right, well, you know, he just got caught up with her, you know, just, you know, with dealing with the situation at hand, and I didn't think anything else about it. And so that Monday, uh, I called him and I, you know, texted him. I was like, hey, what's going on? You know, uh, and I never heard anything. Also Monday, Jeremy Orange, the friend in charge of getting Lorenzen's kids back to Atlanta, headed to Shara's to do just that. And when I got up early morning, 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 I drove to Cheryl's house. And I want to say I got there around 7, around 7, 7.30, I got there early that morning. When I got there, uh, Cheryl wasn't there. The kids came out. Sophia, the youngest one, came out. She started putting her bags in the car. So she ended up pulling up probably like 30 minutes later. And when she pulled up, you know, she just basically told the kids to take this stuff back in the house. So I said, well, Cheryl, you know, Ren told me to bring the kids back down to, you know, bring them back to Atlanta. She said, no, don't worry about it. You know, if Ren, if Lorenz is not in Atlanta, the kids can't go back. I said, okay, but I said, look, I want to talk to him and verify before I do anything because I don't want the man mad at me. And she kept telling me, she said, I got you, I got you, I promise you, I got you. So I said, uh, sure, look, I don't want Lorenzo mad at him. She said, look, go go ahead and go back. So I was like, you know, okay, I'm not going <laughs> to argue with, you know, that's that's the kid's mother. So after that, I kept calling Lorenzo. I, you know, I'm calling him. I'm calling him, like, hysterically. So, like, hey, man, I need to know the next move. Kept trying to call him, kept trying to call him. He never answered the phone. Um, it was like um, a few times somebody had, somebody was picking up the phone and hanging it up. When Jeremy couldn't get Lorenzen on the phone, he says he immediately called Michael Gibson. I said, hey, Mike, what's going on, man? You talked to Red? He said, no, man. I said, well, um, man, sure, I won't let me bring the kids, and I'm finna come back to Georgia. He was like, hey, man, Red going to be pissed off now. You know, Red wants his kids down there. You know, kids, hey, you need to talk to Red before you go. I said, well, last time you talked to him. Oh, have you talked to him? He said, well, uh, last time I talked to him, he said, last time I talked to him, Ren, Ren said he was going to ride back with you. So I kept calling um, him and kept calling Cheryl um, that Monday morning because I hadn't heard from Lorenzo, and that was very unusual for me, you know, especially when he done gave me instructions on what's going to happen, you know. So, you know, then finally, I think about noon that Monday, Cheryl just said, Mike G, don't even worry about it. He ain't coming back. Just he good. I'm like, okay, well, all right, whatever. She told you that he was not going to be back. Right. 
but she didn't say why. She didn't say why. So you're calling him on Monday and still getting no answer. Still getting nothing. Shara calls you and says he's not coming back. Right. And that was all she said. Yeah, she told, uh, she said, I'm going to tell Jeremy to go head on because he good. If y'all ain't heard from him, don't worry about it. Y'all know Lorenzo do stuff like this all the time. I'm like, no. Now, there was a time that he had, he, he was just stressed out and, but he would always tell somebody. He told me, he said, man, I'm going to Italy. Don't tell nobody. You know, I'm just going to go for a week. Just, I'm just gone. And he did it. He told me, though. So this was worried me then when he didn't tell anybody anything. We knew something was wrong. But Lorenzen's friends weren't thinking the worst. They just weren't quite sure what to make of it. So after hours of waiting that Monday, Jeremy headed back to Atlanta in Lorenzen's SUV. His biggest concern at the time? Lorenzen was going to be upset he'd left Memphis without him and the kids. But then another day passed. It's Tuesday, July 20th. When Tuesday come, I woke up that morning. I told Mike, man, we're reading. Me and him, me and Mike was really like, hey, look, man, something wrong. Where's where's Ren at? We went on the computer. We looked to see if he had any flights. We went on his Facebook. We tried to hack into a few of his stuff, you know, just um, his Facebook messenger we were just trying to figure out where he was so this is tuesday so that um tuesday tuesday evening i end up going to um a little sports bar and when i went to the sports bar you know um his wife cheryl um uh, texted me and she said hey um um everything's good don't worry about lorenzen he probably with one of his little hoes lol Lorenzen's whereabouts were no laughing matter to his mother, Deborah. I talked to my child twice, three, twice to three, four times a week, every week. That's why I knew something was not right. He answered my calls. Ain't nobody seen him. You see, Deborah had been trying to get in touch with Lorenzen since Saturday. Her daughter, Lorenzen's sister, had a baby shower, and they were hoping he would show up. So you didn't think anything was wrong Saturday when he never showed up for the show? But yeah, I'm thinking he just stayed in Atlanta. I'm not thinking he's missing or nothing. Deborah was right. Lorenzen was still in Atlanta part of that time. I said, this fool ain't calling and told me nothing. And not answering my calls. I called him. I know I called that boy 15 times. Like I told him, you know, you're going to have to do something behind all these calls I done called. You check your voice, man. Because I probably got it filled up. And that went on till Tuesday? Yes. So you didn't hear from him Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday? Mm-mm. That's when I called Laura. Let me see when she talked to him last. When she said, I said, oh, police. Time for the police. But before you talked to police, you would talk to people who knew him mm -hmm. and ask mm -hmm. them had they seen him. Mike G, everybody in Georgia. Mike G, now everybody. Mike and Jeremy reached out to Lorenzen's aunt, Zetty Vassar, who also lived in Atlanta. So we called a vet. And when I called, when we called Aunt Zet, you know, I told Aunt Zet everything that, you know, I'm just telling you right now. I'm Aunt Zet saying, hold on, I'm going to call, you know, uh, Lorenzo's mother, Deborah, on three-way. So when he, when Aunt Zet called Lorenzo's mother on three-way and I told her everything, the first thing she, that came out of her mouth was, hey, he, that woman done something to my son. I said, Aunt Deb, are you sure? She said, I am a mother. And I have an instinct. And my son is not well. She said, something is wrong with my son. And he has one hour to get in touch with me or I'm putting out a missing report. I was with him. 
I was the one to call his mama to have her to look for them. She, I said, he ran up, just moved. He left for help Sam and myself move in. He left. So he going to take a shower. He was going to go out. The next day, we talked about getting his car fixed. He got a Magnum. He was getting all the stuff fixed on it. And on Monday, this man was going to do this, 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 and he was so excited about getting his car done. So when Monday came and Lorenzo was nowhere to be found, Deb, y'all heard from Ren? Gee, y'all heard from Ren? Anybody have anybody heard from Ren? Nobody heard from Ren. I said, Deb, something up, something up, something up, because we can't get Ghani on the phone, and he, he had been on the phone. And I know Monday, for a fact, at a certain time, I know my nephew was all gung-ho to get this done. So I know he ain't nowhere bullshitting, because I know this is what he's, he's getting stuff, his stuff in order now that he ain't playing no more. She says, it. do you think I need to call the police? I said, you're damn right, because something is not right. Something is not right. And I can remember that week I got a call from his mom, and she was like, have you talked to Lorenzen? And I was like, no, I hadn't talked to him since Sunday, but I've been trying to reach him. And she was like, well, I've been trying to call him too, and I just haven't heard anything, and I'm, I'm getting worried. I'm like, well, you don't, I don't think you should be worried. I figured he's just in Vegas, and he just is, you know, gambling or having a good time, and he, I'm sure he'll hold us back when he gets an gets a opportunity. And she was like, no, Phil, I've been calling him. It's just not right. And then, so when she said that, then I hit him up again, and I was, you know, in in you know, uh, fraternity fashion with the the the, the proverbial nine one one is an emergency. Hit me up. Need to make sure you're good. And I never heard from him. And so when I hit him with that with with the message that, you know, you know nine one one, and I didn't hear anything. I was like, well, maybe something is wrong. Like where 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 is he? And I remember it was, I talked to his mom again. I was like, you know, I, and I started calling people. I'm like, have y'all talked to Lorenzo? And nobody has talked to him. Nobody's heard from him. And she said, well, I'm calling the police. Mm-hmm. And when she said she was calling the police, I was like, is this, is this real? Did you call Shara? Hell no. It's say like, what, bitch, where you leave my phone dead at? Mm-mm. I had no. I ain't had no talk for her because she couldn't give me no nothing on Lorenzo because they weren't talking like that. They mm-hmm. weren't communicating that. Mm-mm, mm-mm. That's why I called Lauren. Somebody could tell me something because Shara couldn't tell me nothing. Deborah may not have called Shara, but Shara was still reaching out to Lorenzen's friends, trying to reassure them he was okay. And then I can remember I got a call from Shara on that Thursday. And she said, um, have you talked to Lorenzo? I'm like, no, I haven't talked to him. And she said, I talked to Deb, and she said she called the police, and she thinks something's wrong. And I was like, yeah, I heard too. I, I mean, nobody's heard from him. I don't know where he She said, well, I don't think nothing's wrong with him. I don't think nothing's wrong. I figured he just don't want to talk to nobody. And I was like, yeah, but it's not like him not to, not to hit anybody back. Not to hit anybody back. You're not calling it. You're not returning anybody's phone call. You're not off the grid that much where you don't return your kids' phone calls and stuff like that. That same day, Thursday, July 22nd, Deborah Marion filed an official missing persons report with the Carrieville Police Department. So you called the police and Mm -hmm. asked for a meeting? Yes. And you met them in the parking lot at Carrieville Krogles? 
So I had just left the beauty shop, and by that time, it was so hot that year, when I got through that that interview, I should have seen my head was stuck to my head. A missing persons flyer sent to the media and posted around town read missing adult in bold red font, and below that, Lorenzen V. Wright. It included a picture of Lorenzen in a recent basketball uniform. So what was the reaction from police, and, and at what point did you, because I remember seeing you on TV talking to the media, so at what point, what was the reaction from police, and at what point did you take it to the media? Uh, when I took it to the media when, when Lauren couldn't, didn't hear from him. And then the police were telling me it had to be up 50 to 24 hours. Uh-uh. Baby, it's been days before I came to y'all. It's been days. So we need to come on and get on with this. Lorenzen's father, Herb, on the other hand, didn't think anything was wrong with his son. And you said initially when he disappeared, you were thinking he just went away? Well, the, <clears throat> the summer before, <coughs> summer before, he kind of just took off and went to Germany to a dog show. He was breeding Rottweilers and he went over to Germany. He didn't really tell me or, you know, he just went. When he needed me, he would call. So that was pretty much it. So when Deborah put out this police report and saying that something's wrong. Yeah, I'm thinking he's probably going back to Europe somewhere. Uh, that's what I told the police. I found out, you know, police checked and said even his name wasn't on any of the flights leaving out. So I'm still thinking, you know, he's somewhere just getting away from it all. And Herb wasn't the only one who assumed Lorenzen was simply off the grid and unavailable. Here's Glenn Carver. He was WREG sports director at the time. Tell us when you first start hearing the news that um, he had disappeared. What did you think? Oh, nothing that bad, you know, because he sort of lost, once he retired, you sort of lost touch with him because he wasn't, no, well, he's no longer making appearances where you're going to run into him. He's no longer working camps where you're going to run into him. Um, and there's always another batch of NBA stars coming along, and Memphis is always having kids go to the NBA, and, you know, you're following them. So Lorenzen sort of was doing his own thing and just sort of drifted out of the spotlight. But when word came that he was had disappeared, I would say for the most part, immediately, for the most part, I think everyone's, well, why were they following him in the first place? I mean, he's been, you know, sort of out of the spotlight for a while anyway. What's the big deal of, you know, why we're searching for Lorenzen? Reverend Bill Atkins is Phil's uncle and lived near Lorenzen in Memphis. You know, if he's with his NBA friends, you got to understand that kind of lifestyle. They get on a jet and, 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 and go wherever at any time, and he'd be out of pocket for a week or two weeks at a time. But uh, Deborah started calling everybody, she did. and and uh, uh, thank God for her that she did. She was looking for her son, yeah. and she started calling everybody, saying, "Have you heard from Ren? Have you seen Ren?" It was it was just something different about that time, and you know I, I look back to that day, and when she was saying when when Cheryl said, "I don't think anything's wrong," she just said it's so cavalier. You know, at that point, you know. Deborah told me that the police were going to call me. Like, all right, so it's serious, right? But 
just, I don't know, she just thought he was just, you know, ghost again is what, is what kind of how Sharon played it. They listen to what Cheryl and, and Herb saying too. Herb talking about where he runs off like this sometimes to get away from everybody. But every time my son took one of them run off, he wasn't a run off from me. He run off from y'all. I lied with him to cover his ass. I said I was fussing just like they were fussing. Like I was mad. I knew what my child was when he vamped off. You know, when he disappeared for like three or four days. He'd tell my I need to go cheat. I'm going to such and such, such a place. They ain't going to come back to this, this time. I knew this. But I would act like I was mad with my mom and them just for them. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't mad. I was just pretending. I knew where he was. And I knew when he was coming back. But I wouldn't let them know I knew. You know, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm cussing his ass out when he get back. He ain't let me know. Uh-uh. But I this knew. time was different. Totally. I ain't getting no checks or nothing, no call. Mom just checking in. I'm, I'm moving here. I'm finna go over here, over here for a minute. I'm moving from this location. I ain't getting nothing. And then on that Friday, I got a call from the police department. They were asking me about, you know, my our, our last interactions. And, uh, you know, I just you know remember... And it, it was, I was kind of having like an out-of-body out of experience. I'm like, well, how, you know, talking to the police about where my friend is. And I just can't, I can't fathom like something could possibly be wrong. Nope, it's like a world just opened up and he fell in. Deborah Marion is talking about her son, Lorenzen Wright. The last time anyone in her family saw the 611 former NBA player was Sunday night. The audio you just heard came from a story WREG News Channel 3 aired on Saturday, July 24th, six days since anyone had seen or heard from Lorenzen. Marion says Wright was at his ex-wife's home in Collierville between 10 and 11. When the ex woke up, he was gone, their car still in the driveway. I can't pinpoint nowhere he could be that I don't know where he is. No, no, no friend. We checked all his friends from here to Atlanta, Mississippi, everywhere, so we, I don't have a clue. Deborah is sitting on her couch wearing a yellow shirt and her glasses. She looks tired and understandably gets emotional. Officials tell us they do not suspect foul play and have told Marion there has been no strange activity to his bank account or credit cards. Everybody's been calling and he's going to fall and go straight to voicemail. Marion says Wright's six kids are taking the disappearance really hard, especially his 13-year-old daughter, who she says would talk to her father every day. And the 13-year-old is taking the worst in the battle because he always calls her and he always answers her calls. And it's just crazy for her. She don't understand why is my dad not calling me, why is he not answering my call. I saw Deborah asking for anyone who knew anything. I, my heart poured out. But at the same time, she and I had already talked before she even got on the TV. She had already shared with me um, how she felt about it and what she thought about it. But she was still holding on to faith. Uh, she hadn't gave up on hope, in other words. Um, it just tore me apart. Glory Sanders said after seeing Deborah's plea, she tried to reach Lorenzen on Facebook, then got a strange Facebook message. I told Deborah, I said, Deborah, I said, somebody text me and said, what it do? And I know that wasn't Ren. Because Ren, he was too much of a gentleman to talk to me like that. Now, if he talked like that to somebody else, fine, so be it. But he never talked to me. Even after we reconnected, that same Ren, that's who I was talking to. Other people in Lorenzen's hometown of Oxford were watching closely, like his old high school coach, Mike Foster. Do you remember how you found out 
he was missing? I'm, I'm pretty sure I saw it on the news. Uh, and I thought then when he was missing that this doesn't sound good. Lorenzen's grandmother, Louise Vassar, had the same feeling about the little boy she'd help raise. Well, I tell you, like, you know when that was? If Lauren couldn't get Hotaganya, he had to be dead. Because I don't care, Lauren could be, Lauren could call Ganya anytime. Anytime. I don't care what. I don't care what. Anytime. Then the public finally heard from Lorenzen's ex-wife, Shara. He was fine. And he's fine now, and I can't, I'm, I'm not going to believe anything other than that he's fine now. I just need somebody to call if they've seen him. Shara Wright is pleading for someone to come forward with some information about her ex-husband, his whereabouts, and whether he is okay. She told us Lorenzen Wright had been at her Carrierville home Sunday. WREG aired this story Monday, July 26th. Shara's standing in her doorway, wearing a tank top. Her hair is pulled to the side in a ponytail. He wasn't able to spend a night because he wasn't here quite that long, but he ran out and he never came back. Lorenzen seemingly disappeared into thin air. Lorenzen's father believes he is on vacation in Europe, but police say there is no concrete evidence of that. At one point during the interview, Shara starts to tear up. Police say they have gotten plenty of calls and tips, but none have led to Lorenzen. I'm just going to believe he's on a trip and he's doing whatever he's doing and that when somebody tells him that there are people looking for him, that he's going to call home. But from the beginning, her mother's intuition told Deborah something different. I already knew. That's not, my son is not going to call me. I knew. I told them both, it's who y'all find. It's not going to be good. I knew. He would never, never not answer my call. Never. I knew. Something in your spirit? Uh-huh. He, he was no longer in his life. I knew. I just didn't know where he was, but I knew he was no longer in his life. Deborah's premonition would sadly soon be proven right. A massive crowd gathered as word spread that Lorenzen Wright's body was found in a wooded area off of Hacks Cross Road Wednesday. That's coming up on part two of episode six, 10 Days. You see the image of Deborah running down that, that gravel road, running to where the, they found his body. Seriously, how they did him though. That would hurt me the most. You see, when I walked up to Lorenzo Cats, you know what I went up there for? To ask Cheryl why now. She know what I was finna say right there in front of everybody. God damn, Cheryl, why now? Killing Lorenzen, Love Basketball Murder, is a production of WREG in Memphis. It is reported and hosted by us, Sonetta Lowe and April Thompson. Our editor is Josh Strong. Original music, Lorenzen's Theme, by Boo Mitchell and Uriah Mitchell of Royal Studios, Memphis, Tennessee. Cover art by Corinne Zeta. David Royer is in charge of web and social. Eric Lifford handles our file research and thanks to our colleagues Alex Coleman, Caleb Hilliard, and Sean Scott for their assistance. Jessica Davis is our intern. And none of this would be possible without the support of our assistant news director, Sarah Van Arnhem, and our news director, Bruce Moore. While you're here, be sure to subscribe to our podcast, rate, and share it.